listeners and welcome to this week in interview with your host Anthony Dragos. It's a pleasure to be back on a Wednesday as I do every every Wednesday of every week. I, we spend an hour together and I bring you this week in interview which is intended to bring you information um, usually through conversations with interesting people, people who have accomplished so much. And sometimes I just bring you information that I find. So I hope you had a great week. I hope all of um, you and your family uh, are continuing to remain safe in, in this time of COVID. Tonight, uh, the topic for tonight is diabetes. On Saturday, November the 14th is World Diabetes Day. And so uh, the, theme for, the theme for this year's World Diabetes Day is nurses make the difference. Um, the role that nurses can play in helping us to, to deal with this um, terrible disease, um, diabetes. So, so what I have tonight is a registered nurse and, and another guest who is more towards the nutrition side because we know that it is said that diabetes is a lifestyle disease and what we do the most is that we eat. So I have, I have a really um, information-dense show for us tonight. We're going to keep it light, although diabetes is no light matter or no laughing issue. I hope that I can bring you information in a format that will help you to think about this disease because you will see some of the stats that we'll talk about that I am pretty sure everybody who's here in my voice right now either is diabetic or there is someone pretty close to you who is diabetic. So, as usual, I want to say thank you to those of my who are my regular listeners. Every week, you make the time to spend uh, an hour or so with me on this weekend interview, and I appreciate that very much. If tonight is the first time that you're listening to this weekend interview, my naked intention is to make you uh, a regular listener as well, because we want to do a movement. I want the information that I give you is, is that it's going to stimulate you into take, to take some action. And the more of us who take action based on proper information is the greater the likelihood that it turns into a movement. And God knows there are so many causes that are just waiting for a movement to happen. So before I start preaching politics, let's take a break, as we always do, and do the Karikaman theme. And when I come back, I'm going to introduce you to my two guests, and we will be talking diabetes. Distant lands, our forefathers came. Some seeking adventure, some bound in chains. Through battles waged and fought, through victory and pain, by test of their courage. Our freedom was gained In homage to those gone before 
Welcome back. Um, every week I play Mikael Anderson. Every week I hear something new in that song. That song so embodies the aspirations, the aspirations and the and the spirit of Caribbean people. If only we can get our politicians to come aboard, um, we could really uh, realize some of those promises um, that song that song embodies. Speaking about that, this week we lost an icon, a giant of a man, even though he was smaller in stature, Felix Henderson 
was definitely stands uh, among the icons of, of Dominica and of the Caribbean. And he, he passed away yesterday. And so on behalf of TDN Radio uh, staff and management, and on behalf of this weekend interview, and all of you who listen, I'm pretty sure wouldn't mind if I send sincere condolences to, to the family and, and his, the whole Dominican society is part of Felix Henderson. And so, and so our sincere condolences to his family, his wife and, and, and everybody who will definitely miss him. May, may his soul rest in peace. For those of you who do not know Felix Anderson, let me just take a, an extra 30 seconds and talk about him. You, you know, the attempts passed where um, Dominicans, Dominica's language, the Creole, some people say Patois, was considered to be an undesirable language. Um, in the quest for the former slaves, wanting to make sure that their kids got, quote unquote, the education that they needed to, to move away from the hardships that they endured, they, they shunned the speaking of, of Creole. It, the system also discouraged it. Uh, there are so many people who have um, stories of getting beat, beaten by their parents, whipped for speaking Creole. It was, it was really forbidden. And so in that sense, you could say that Dominica's Creole language uh, was endangered. And then on the scene was Felix Anderson. Uh, on, on the radio, he had a program called Experience Creole. And he made speaking Creole acceptable. And he was very smart and, and, and very astute, but he also was very witty and had a, had a great sense of humor. And so he made it okay for us to speak Creole. Uh, and one of the persons who I think is, has been most instrumental in ensuring the viability of our Creole, our Patois as, as a language is undoubtedly Felix Henderson. And that is his legacy. And that legacy will live on forever. My brother, rest in peace. And um, you do us proud. Hopefully, one of these days we will see um, our language becoming part of the curriculum in our schools. And people like to say, well, it's a broken French or, or mix or whatever. It's a language. When I went to school in the U.S. in the 80s, uh, I met some folks from Mauritius and from the Seychelles Islands, and we could converse to each other in Creole. So I think it's more than just broken French. I think it's, it's a language in and of itself. And one of these days, we will have the experts who can ex who can take it further and, and really give it the place that it needs among our people as part of our proud uh, Dominican identity and Dominican heritage. Okay, so Felix Anderson, rest in peace. Tonight, though, as I told you, we our topic for tonight is diabetes because on Saturday, November 14th, uh, is World Diabetes Day. And you can go onto the website worlddiabetesday.org and you, there's a very well put together website where you can get so much information. And there are all kinds of statistics on there that says that there's so many folks who are actual diabetics. 
and which means that there are so many more of us who are dealing with it because if our loved one ha has that disease, uh, it, it affects the entire family in, in so many ways. And, and we're going to explore that. The theme for, for this year's observation of um, World Diabetes Day is nurses make the difference. And so I have a registered nurse tonight as one of my guests, Ms. Um, Halima Abdullah. And also, uh, she brought along with her Ms. Eloise Thomas. Eloise uh, describes herself as an, she is, not describes herself, she is an integrated health um, consultant or professional. Uh, she, will, she will say it more accurately, I'm sure. So let, let me introduce you to these two um, ladies who uh, have been gracious enough to take time out of their busy schedule to be with us. Halima is, drive, is joining us live, um, and therefore we can see her. Oh, before I go, give me one, indulge me one second. Let me just tell folks um, that you can listen to us on tdnradio.net, about all on RVR Jams um, Radio in, in Dominica, RVR Jams Radio in Dominica on DigiPlay Channel 59. We're also live on tdntv.net, so you can see you can see us. And we're streaming live on TDN Radio Facebook page as well as this week in interview Facebook page. So Halima, welcome, a very warm welcome to, to you to this week in interview. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have um, me on your show. Um, and we're gonna have an awesome show and talk about how we nurses play a role in diabetes education. Yeah, certainly. I'm look, really looking forward to it because diabetes touches all of our lives. And Eloise, uh, Th Thomas, welcome as well to this week in interview. Thank you for having me as well. Um, before I can even go on, I too want to um, extend sympathies to the family, friends, those who cherish Felix Henderson. He will definitely remember, be me remembered. And I will not forget an afternoon and all those wonderful food and all those beautiful words he used to use. So he has definitely had an imprint, left an imprint, and I'm showing so many lives. So I just want to extend my sympathy as well. And I am, I wear different hats. And tonight I put one on as a health coach, integrative nutrition health coach. Integrative um, nutrition we, health coach. Yes. And so I know it's all about the nurses, but during my journey as a health coach, health coaching has helped and assisted and kind of had um, provided support to the doctors and nurses in, in the area of wellness and healing. And so I joined my voice and energy and support to the nurses as well as a health coach. Okay, so welcome. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. However, I'm going to jump right into you. The theme for this year's observation is nurses make the difference. And of course, they're, they're talking about making a difference in the prevention, care, management of diabetes. So as a nurse, what does, how do you embody that theme, that you make a difference in diabetes? Well, on a day-to-day -day basis, I deal with um, patients who come in with um, chronic health conditions, either in the hospital, um, also a community nurse. I deal with a population of about 60 Medicaid patients. 
I'm basically the care manager. And so I have both sides of the world. Um, nurses in the community face different issues versus nurses in the hospital. Um, the goal of the nurses in the community is basically to make sure that the person doesn't get to the hospital. And so in, in embodying that role of how nurses can make a difference, for me, it's providing that education, um, self-management of the disease, and helping to identify risk factors, educate the patients about it, and making sure that they incorporate um, nutrition and exercise and everything that goes into a care plan for a diabetic patient. Great. Uh, so Ella, uh, it's a Hollywood is talking exactly down your alley. She says, yeah, she is. educate to ensure self-management, exercise, and that sounds exactly like what a coach does. Yes, a coach yes. takes somebody, helps them, and then sends them out on the field to, to perform it on their own. So how does, first of all, what do you mean by integrative nutrition and, and how, how does that um, fit in the whole care and management of, um, of a diabetic patient? Right. So um, integrative is really holistic form of looking at your health. It's not one area versus the other. It's the whole. And so when I, when I deal with individuals or anybody who's seeking assistance in terms of their health journey and wellness journey, um, I tend to look at the, the external influencers that sort of or actually influence what makes it on your plate. And these are the areas that I would consider your primary food. And what you eventually consume would be secondary because these things tend to drive what you eat eventually. So things like your career, um, your support system, stress levels, um, spirituality. So when we look at it, when we look at the whole, sometimes you, well, all the time, but it's very difficult for an individual to realize that for them to get to the core of the problem, they really have to look at it as a whole. So um, exercise is just one area that um, I will touch in terms of that holistic path to healing, even with a diabetes. So, so you, you were saying that the the role that you play um, involves educating people to not isolate a disease because the tendency, I guess, is, well, I'm diabetic, I'm going to take diabetic medication. And then I'm also hypertensive, I'm going to take hypertensive medication. And I, I, am, I don't have any skeletal or muscular issues, so I can walk around and I can walk to McDonald's and have whatever to eat. Uh, and so what I'm hearing from you is that you, you, you are hoping to be able to get somebody to, to see how all of those things are interrelated. Yes. And also um, to try to connect it. But I believe an even more critical area is there's mm -hmm. so much information out there. And so even as a health coach, one of the biggest challenges that I face, and I believe I speak for many others, is that of transformation of that information. How do we take what we knew leave room for more and make sense of it all and apply it to our lives in a way that works. And that transformation is very, very difficult for so many reasons. Our mindset, our lifestyle, our inability to cultural even sometimes. So the 
one of my challenges is really finding ways to get that information to you, but also to have it in a very transformative way. Okay. So, so I don't know, you, you, you say that you wear you both hats. You, you work in a community where you see um, folks in their, in their natural habitat, in their homes and in the community, and then you see them when they get to the hospital. And so, so in the community, I imagine you're trying to make sure they don't get to the hospital. And in the hospital, you're trying your best to get to get them back into the community as soon as possible. What what are some of the um, major hurd I don't want to call them hurd hurdles, but challenges that you see um, that folks, if they if they were to pay attention to those um, factors, it would probably make um, for better results. So one of the most important thing um, someone can do for themselves is understanding how their body works and mm -hmm. understanding how diseases manifest themselves in the body. Mm -hmm. With diabetes, it's basically your body is unable to process the amount of sugar that it has in it. And one of the first things we do is educate the, the patient on what the risk factors are. And then we also educate them on the disease process. Then we educate them how to self-manage. And then we look at their health profile and we look at what else is going on with them. And usually, um, even in nursing school, my patho teacher always said, um, if you have diabetes, you have three other endocrine disorders. So Usually when I have a patient, I'm like, okay, what else? Usually that patient has probably um, hypothyroidism. They probably have kidney issues. And there's usually several things going on in the endocrine system. Then we look at the cardiovascular system, which has to do with the heart and how blood is um, pushed through your system and how it oxygenates the body. So we're looking at that and we're looking to see, does the person know how these link and in, interconnect to each other. And what we really have to do is to take that information and shrink it. Like Ella is saying, it's very difficult, condense it and, and make it applicable to the person sitting in front of us. So we may think like one way of communicating may work for everybody, it doesn't. You have to quickly assess the person that's sitting in front of you understand what their limitations are, their lack of knowledge, or maybe they have an, an abundance of knowledge and they just need um, some tips on how to function um, or self-regulate better. And so what we end up doing is just filling in those gaps for the patient. For me, when I go into the community, I tend to look at the person's environment because I'm, I'm sitting in their home. I'm doing an assessment of them. And so I just take the opportunity to quickly snoop around, see, okay, what, what did you eat for breakfast today? What's going on? How much exercise did you have? In the hospital, I'm looking at it more of a um, scientific way. Okay, you hear what brought you into the hospital and trying to find out how much does the patient know? And in the hospital, I do a lot of teaching in terms of patient knowing how to advocate for themselves, not just understanding the disease, but the right questions to ask the doctor. So 
I quickly come in, I assess them, I see what they need. And then I say, well, okay, when the doctor comes in, I want you to ask these three questions. I may even put them on the board in the patient's room. And I, I say, when the doctor comes in, these are your cue points right here. Ask him about that, ask him about your medication, ask him about the side effects. And then from that interaction with the doctor, we move on. If you're looking at Dominica in your local communities, um, I have not had the opportunity to interact with patients in Dominica. And so it would be quite different if we're looking at the population in Dominica. We have a lot of people more or less coming into the health centers to um, get that um, diabetes education. And so I would just encourage the nurses there to do as much research because now not everybody has access to the internet or that knowledge at their fingertips but to educate them on the basics of the disease. That is key, the basics of the disease and how I, as the, as the nurse, I'm gonna come in and fill the gaps. Nothing big, nothing too much that the patient cannot handle and learning how to follow up with the patient. So what are the basics of the disease? What are the basics of the disease? And while we add that, when you say you assess risk factors, if you can also talk about that, some of the major, um, red flags or indicators um, that you come across. But but let's let's spend a little bit of time and explain from, from your perspective, from your experience, what are the um, basics of diabetes? So basically, to me, I've always told everybody this diabetes is probably the single most destructive disease you can ever have in your body. Um, because from diabetes, there's a spin-off of numerous comorbidities, numerous other um, diseases that are going to happen in conjunction with diabetes. Diabetes is basically the inability of the body to process how much sugar you have in it. So I like to tell my patients a little story. I tell them, listen, you have a cell and the cell makes energy. And then you have another organ called the pancreas. And every time you eat, the body cell sends a message to your pancreas and it says, hey, Halima has eaten. Okay, based on what she's eaten, I need you to produce X amount of insulin to sort this out. Now, insulin is like a gateman. It's a doorkeeper to that cell that's going to produce the, the, um, the energy. So what happens with diabetes, if your body becomes insulin resistant, or the mechanism doesn't work properly because it's like a lock and key. It's the doorman and you come in with a key and you're gonna put it into the door and it's gonna open the door to the cell and then all the blood is gonna flow in, the blood is gonna get processed and you have ATP, which is energy basically. So when that doesn't happen, the, the blood sits outside the cell and then the body just starts accumulating sugar and that's how your um, blood sugar goes up. And on top of that, another message is sent into the liver and says, hey, this person is not producing enough energy. We need to help them out. And then the liver comes in and says, oh, wow, I'm going to send them a dose of emergency sugar. And then the liver sends the dose of emergency sugar, making the situation even worse. And so basically that's what diabetes is. We have several types of diabetes. We have type two diabetes, which um, is just a con chronic condition that affects the way to, um, the body processes sugar. We have type one diabetes, which is 
Um, people are usually born with this. Um, you just don't have the cells to produce insulin. Um, you have gestational diabetes, which when you're pregnant, then you have the women usually having problems to process um, glucose, which is basically the sugar. Some risk factors for diabetes would be high blood pressure, high um, fat levels in the blood, known as triglycerides, um, high alcohol intake, uh, sedentary lifestyle, you meaning you're not exercising enough, and being obese or overweight. Also genetic um, factors um, contributing to that. The issue with the genetic factors is you may be predisposed to diabetes, but when you put your body in a state of inflammation, what ends up happening is the genes become activated. So in order for you to prevent that from happening, if you know your family history, then you would now take caution to prevent that from happening. And there's simple steps you can take. Um, Ella will talk about that. Um, in terms of how you're going to manage your diet and how you're going to exercise and help the patient um, regulate this disease process better. All right, that was awesome. That was, as I told you, uh, tonight's conversation is going to be so information dense. And um, you, you, you and both you and Ella talk about being able to, to package the information in a, in a format that is bite-sized, that, that, yeah, that almost anybody can understand, and I think you you did that very well. For those of you who are joining us late, uh, you're listening to this week in interview on tdnradio.net, tdntv.net, you can see us, and we're also streaming on, on Facebook Live, on TDN Radio Facebook page, and this week in interview Facebook page. Uh, I have with me two guests, Ms. Um, Ms. Halima Abdullah and Aaron, who's, who, who, who works uh, in, in both in the community and in the hospital in, in New Jersey, in the US. Uh, and I also have Ms. Eloise Thomas, who is an integrative health coach. And um, they, we're talking diabetes because on Saturday, the 14th of November, is World Diabetes Day. We are at the bottom of the hour, so I'm, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, uh, we, we're going to continue the conversation uh, with, with these two very um, informative um, young ladies. This is Redemption, a little village nestled in a lush green valley in the hills of Dominica. Everything is calm and serene. But you don't really believe that, do you? The drama is back. Redemption Road Season 3 begins Sunday, October 18th at 7.30 p.m. Ma Rogers, is that you? Oh, how dare you speak to me like that? So you know we are taking white is now? When are you going to get a job, boy? I am working on it, sir. You're working on it? Three months you're in my house. It means that Robbie and I and the kids will be moving away. So you abandoning me, you ungrateful child? Vashti, darling, it's me, your baby sister. My son cannot be a homosexual. And that is why I didn't come to you in the first place. It appears I am a target for assassination. 
Our country is doomed if we do not act. And we must act soon. You knew we have to go back home sometime. I am not going back to redemption. Make sure you take the job. What? What is this? Take the job if you know what's good for you. If you value your life, you will hear me. Why should I believe you? Get ready, gentlemen. By this time tomorrow, I will be acting Prime Minister of Dominica. Join us Sundays at 7.30 p.m. with repeats on Wednesdays after this week in interview at 9 p.m. Season 3 Redemption Road begins October 18th. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back. And I, I know a, a number of you... Um, this week in interview, listeners are fans of Redemption Road, and um, I there's a repeat tonight at 9 p.m. There's a repeat tonight at 9 p.m. and also uh, there are different stations that are that have are also replaying season one and season two, so you can catch up. Uh, just just come to um, tdnradio.net and you can get all the information that you want on Redemption Road. But we are going to repeat Sunday's episode at 9 p.m. Well, welcome back. Uh, this tonight our topic is diabetes, and as and as we said, uh, ha, and this this Halima said that diabetes is one of the most destructive conditions that that you can have in your body. It ravishes your body, and it usually comes not by itself. It usually comes with companions. So so if you if you are diabetic, you probably have one or two other conditions as well, which helps the diabetes to, to wreck its destruction on your body. So, Eloise, I'm going to come to you. Um, Nurse, Nurse Alima said that one of the red flags, one of the indicators, risk factors for diabetes is obesity. And I think sometimes that lulls skinny people into a sense of false security that because they're not uh, quote unquote fat or overweight, they don't have to worry about diabetes. But as a health coach, I, I am sure that you you beg to differ from that because Nurse Halima also spoke about a lifestyle that is sedentary that doesn't involve as much activity. So 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 can you elucidate that a bit first? Sure. Um. So first thing I want to say, and Halle kind of mentioned it is that of bio-individuality. What works for you will not work for me. And that goes for individuals who may appear to be obese or, you know, based on their BMI. Or it's also the other side, if you're below a certain number, you may assume to be skinny or malnourished. And so you may feel like, oh, well, that person is fat and they never had, they never had diabetes. So I can do that. It's, it's really about getting to know your body. It's a personal, personal journey. And you cannot just assume that if you see somebody fat or not, they may be um, slated for um, to become diabetic or not be. So I believe, again, everybody must look at their, their life individually and take the necessary steps to towards if they're not healthy towards well i wouldn't say not healthy but if they're fighting or battling certain conditions 
get back to the, to the path of healing. And if you're not facing any condition, challenging condition, stay on the path of preventative, you know, focus on the things that you're supposed to do. As I said, integrative. And so you could be doing everything. You might say you're not having sugar, but then your sleeping is off. That can now lead for you to get up one day and decide, you know what, I need some feel-good food, which is usually cookie. But then you may feel, and Halima talked about genetics as well. And you may feel, well, diabetes is not in my family. I can have the cookies. I don't need to sleep. And then you realize you're turning on some genes that should not have been turned on. And so um, you have to, first of all, know that your journey is yours. What somebody else does may not work for you. Everybody, there are some things that you should do, however. Exercise. Find something that you're comfortable doing. If it's yoga, do it. If you like meditation and yoga, please, by all means. If it's swimming, that it's something that you're good at, do it. Find the exercise that's going to raise your heart rate, keep your cholesterol level down, keep you in your mind, if you're based on where you're at, healthy, fit. So if somebody's a sprinter, don't try to sprint if it's not going to work for you. You may injure yourself. You may feel like you're not losing any weight. You may feel like your sugar is still high. Find an exercise that's good for you. Swimming is perfect. It's a full uh, total body exercise. Lifting weights is also a great thing to do, but it's not everybody that can do that. Not everybody has access to a gym. Lifting weights, but find something. Just even walking, perfect exercise. Get up, take your steps, count it even. Make sure you take, if you take 10,000 steps today, take 10,001 tomorrow. Build on it. And all these things will help you. When you start feeling good about yourself, you're going to add on it. You might say, okay, I walked 10,000 steps today. Let me try to incorporate a little run in it. So your journey has to become personalized. And also, feel all. it's always good to have a support system. If anybody is willing to work out with you, by all means. But again, I have to beg everyone it's your personal journey so sleep well exercise watch what you eat read the labels um drink sufficient water get close eat closer to the ground eat your greens know where your food is coming from do not stress unnecessarily meditation is a good way to keep your stress level down if you can, there are so many little programs out there, YouTube and every other apps and so, get yourself involved in that personal journey. It's your own. So I, there's a couple of things I want to unpack a little bit um, more, more detail. Mm -hmm. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Yes. We, we, don't, we don't normally hear about sleep. I, I for one, know that there's room to do um, better with sleep I, I for years i went and said that if my body needed more sleep it would take more sleep but 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 lately you see a lot of um information in in in, in literature in the media that says that the quality of sleep as a matter of fact let me i will share something something a little personal with the audience i i went to a urologist um sometime last year and he consulted with me and there were some areas that I could do better than others and, and some areas where he encouraged me. And at the end of it all, he asked me, so how, how much do you sleep? When I told him, 
how much I slept, he said, from statistically, you will die soon if you continue that. And that shocked me. He said, yeah, it sounds shocking, but that is the reality. Statistically, if you don't get X amount of sleep on a regular basis, it proves that you, you die within X number of years. And, and so that, that pushed me to do a little more research on the importance of sleep. So you, you mentioned sleep. Uh, to, uh, so I want, I, I want you to spend some time and talk to the audience, talk to the listeners about how critical getting adequate sleep is. And you can mention meditation as well um, while you're at it. But, but I really, because it's something that is just so underrated and, and not paid as much attention to as it deserves. Right. So um, I believe from my journey as a health coach, I've also come to realize that there are di different levels of sleep. You can sleep lightly, you can sleep deep, real deep sleep. And sometimes the deep sleep you need for your cells to regenerate, you really need to be in an area where you're totally in dark. So many people who have problems sleeping, they tend to use blackout curtains, which is, makes their room very dark. Mm -hmm. and, and that helps them get that really deep sleep. Um, again, I, I'm going back to the whole bio-individuality thing. Some people may need eight hours of sleep. Some people may need four or five, whatever it is. I'm not the doctor, but many people operate on different hours of sleep a day and they've been doing well. But again, that's an individual thing. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things I want to say about the sleeping is when you're about to get that deep sleep, because it is very important when, it, when you, when you connect it with your circadian rhythm, you really want to get that deep, deep sleep. And usually for me, that happens about, if I go to bed at about 10 by 12 o'clock, I am gone, knocked out. You can take the whole world. I am knocked out. And I love that. But some things I want to add to this conversation that I would want the listeners to probably practice. Get all your lights off. Change your bulbs if you have it on. Get away from your screen. Don't, maybe about an hour before you sleep. Get away from the screen. Um, also, don't drink water past a certain time because it's going to interrupt your, your sleeping because you want to get up and pee. And that now puts you in that level of sleep, but it's not as deep as it should be. Um, I tend to turn off my Wi-Fi um, and get all the, all the devices. Turn off your phone because anything when you're in that deep sleep, if you're a light sleeper and you end up in that deep sleep, it may wake you up. And so I'm going to just recap. Get, if you, if you are, you're having problems sleeping and you don't get that real deep sleep, get your room as dark as possible. The blackout curtains work. I've heard people praise it. Um, get your Wi-Fi off, drink water, maybe cut off point nine o'clock. Don't drink more after that because it will make you want to pee and that can throw you off if you're having problems going back to sleep immediately. Um, for some people that need some type of meditation to go to sleep, there's Zen music. Um, there are little devices out there that you can put and then nature songs come on. And it will help you while you meditate to get into this place and take you away. And you can time it so once you're in that deep sleep, it goes off on its own and you're into sleep. So there are little things that you can do to really improve your sleep. But I can promise you, if you're not getting that sleep, your whole world is off. The first day you may not feel it, but eventually, immediately, not even eventually, 
it's going to creep up on you. You're going to get headaches. You're going to be cranky. Your mood, stress is going to kick in. You really, it's really important to start your day by having a very good night's rest. So, I mean, sometimes you might be in a state where you don't realize that you're not getting, that you're not doing something right because that's what you're accustomed to. So I, I'm spending a little bit more time with you on that on because you said that a person is supposed to have their journey every every person's journey is personal what might work for you might not be best for me and so on however should people then be testing different aspects to see if if it if it if it makes them feel better so so, so if we take sleep for example if i'm used to getting four hours of sleep i might think i'm fine should i experiment with maybe getting six hours and see if that makes me feel worse or if that makes me feel better how how do you how do you approach that like if i were to come to you as a coach and say um I, how can i do better what how how do you advise your clients in that regard so in addition to the stuff the the areas that i touched on definitely you want to try it um that's the only way you're going to know um if you're making improvements is really to experiment try it is the very right. first thing and every time you try it document it if you're getting up in the night and so if you're active or if you remember write it down so in addition to that have a conversation with your doctor after period if you figure that's not working you want to have that note um, of maybe a week of trial of you know going to bed let's say 10 o'clock shutting off everything trying an hour where you know that the kids if you have children you've put them to bed and that's for good for the children as well and then you give yourself a time and say you know what i'm putting away the devices i'm gonna try this but you have to be consciously ready to do it you have to commit to it and once you get it going maybe over a period of a week if it's not working then you probably want to either try something else maybe you're eating too late that's another area that you may want to cut off your eating time because the body goes through that fasting period and probably cut back on when, la when you have your last meal. Because sometimes if you eat something that's very, very heavy, you're going to be restless as you sleep because the body is working overtime, especially if you had a whole set of stuff that you may have consumed in the day and in the night, let's say 9, 10 o'clock, you're still piling more. You're going to have that more, more times than not, you're going to have a problem um, falling asleep because the food is not digesting properly. So it's as much as it's sleep, but it's also other factors like, for instance, what you eat. Um, another factor is how stressed are you? So you may do all these things. And if your mind is working over time, the bills, the this, the that, you have to approach that, that situation and bring it to a place of, you know, minimize that stress level. Mm -hmm. And even that could actually help your sleep because now you're not thinking overthinking it, you're not tossing and turning. And it's so many factors, it could be a relationship. So it's not just sleep, it's sometimes the things that not make you sleep. So mm -hmm. again, it's the whole holistic approach at eliminating those things that will bring you to that place of balance. So what you're saying is that people need to be aware and to deliberately look at the situation and work towards 
um, a gradual improvement of their circumstances. Every area of their life. If there's an area that is good, check. If there's an area that you need to work on, I say work on it because it throws everything off. And some of them may take more time to get there, but at least you're on that journey. All right. So, Halim, I'm coming back to you because uh, you, you know, they had the community hat that you wear, but also your advocacy work when you do, you do say you do for patients when they're in the hospital seems to overlap somewhat with what, with what Ella says that she, she's doing with her, with her clients. But there's, there's an area that I, I want to delve into a little, a little bit deeper where you, you talk about folks watching what they eat. And so sometimes what the mistake that folk, people make is that uh, when they're ready to eat, when they're ready to cook, that's when they look for what is it that's in, available in their cupboard or their fridge or to cook. And, and so I'm sure you would advise people that the time to make eating decisions is when you go into the supermarket, what to buy. But in, 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 as you talk about that, I, I would like you to, to talk about um, people reading labels and being more aware of what they're buying to bring home and, 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 and what they should be looking for. Okay, so um, yes, that is very important. Um, planning your meals is very important. Um, one of the things I do personally for myself is I budget and I plan what I'm going to buy for the week. And I break down the meals that I want to cook for the week. So I know we're not big on, on meat. Um, well, actually, we don't eat meat at all. The most meat we'll eat a couple of times a year is maybe goat meat. And we um, cook chicken about once a week and then fish maybe once a week. So in between, we're mostly eating um, foods in my family um, that doesn't even have meat in it. And so when I'm going to the supermarket, I'm making the decision. I may ask my family, I may ask my children, what do you want for dinner this week? Um, I have a couple recipe books. And I think like last week we wanted um, like chicken in um, cranberry sauce. So I know that based on my budget and what I can afford, I'm buying one pack of meat. I'm buying um, one, a couple of red snappers and I'm really shrinking it down so that food is not overwhelming my home. Um, in my house, there's absolutely no packaged food. So if you're looking for a snack, you have to resort to fruits and water. There's no juice. You cannot find it here. So I like to tell people my, my fat comes from eating good food. So I call it good fat because <laughs> everybody struggles with, um, everybody struggles with eating. I struggle with eating. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my partner brought in junk food into the house and I said, listen, I'm a food addict. Um, when you bring those things into the house, I am going to eat the food. And so he seemed a little hurt, but I was like, well, I'm sorry, but this is what it does to me. I'm going to eat it because I'm addicted to it. I want it. I want to partake of it. But the discipline is not bringing it into the house. So again, going back to the discussion on how do you plan? So you know you have $20. Um, you plan a few meals for the week that is on that budget. For example, um, one of our favorite meals we eat as a family is bean burgers. We have a can of black beans and we make bean burgers. We take um, cabbage leaves 
we put the burgers into the cabbage leaves. We put tomatoes and everything that would constitute a burger. And then we take a couple sweet potatoes, we chop them up and we chop them into fries and we bake it. That's a meal. But it's not something that our body cannot manage or process. And the kids love it. So it's really talking to the family, going um, online, checking some recipes, looking at what's in your pantry, what's in your budget, and how can you meet those nutritional needs. Um, again, the best way to go is natural. I strongly advocate it. Um, for those of you that have space where you can grow your food during the summers, please, by all means, try that. Uh, in Dominica, it's a different story. If I lived in Dominica, there's no way I would even partake of ever buying anything. Most of my food would come from the ground and um, maybe I treat myself occasionally, but I would certainly zero in and focus on using local products to meet those needs. For example, breadfruit. Well, the children may not like breadfruit, but you can use, you can make it into breadfruit pancakes, you can make it into breadfruit waffles, and you know, you, you don't have syrup like in America, but you can take something local, like maybe a little bit of local honey, and you can mix it in with some guava, make a guava syrup. You can use a lot of different things and voila, the kids are eating breadfruit, which is nutritionally dense. And it's not a bad carbohydrate to have in your system. If you give them one, that's fine. If you have a family member with diabetes, you might want to alter how many slices of um, breadfruit you're going to give them. Everybody wants to have a piece of breadfruit. So you're going to take a slice of breadfruit with some cut fish, but you're going to pack them. The half of the plate should be vegetables. And then another quarter, your proteins, and maybe quarter to one third is your starches. So everybody can enjoy everything they like in moderation and with, with good balance. And so that the message I would give to people trying to budget and to buy food is plan your meals, work within your budget and your limitations, use everything that is available for free and that is wholesome and that is available to you readily. Um, again, Dominique, I have to point it out because when I'm there, I mean, I, I, I use everything from the earth that I can find um, and using those things that is going to help you as a diabetic. For example, instead of eating bread, you can have a couple slices of sweet potatoes with a sardine and some salad for your breakfast. Nobody said you couldn't have that for breakfast. And you do away with the carbohydrates, carbohydrates craving because you had something that's a little bit tasty, a little bit sweet, and you may want to drink a cup of mango tea leaves with cinnamon. We haven't touched on the herbal aspects of using herbs as a source of control. Um, that's a whole other topic, but you can certainly look at what is available locally that you can use as local herbal remedies to help you with diabetes, cinnamon, and, and like mango leaves are things that help you to deal with um, your um, insulin levels and how you break down sugars in your body. So I would definitely talk to the doctor. Um, by no means, again, I'm not a doctor, I'm just a nurse. 
We talk from a nutritional point of view. We ask you to look at your medications. If you're going to start substituting those things into your diet, you really want to talk to the doctor and say, hey, I've started using mango tea leaves with my breakfast um, or using um, cinnamon teas or sprinkling some cinnamon on the breadfruit. You can do so many things. Um, so you just really want to do that. Um, again, going back again to how you feed the family, one more thing I want to touch on is the person controlling the cooking should be conscious. Um, we, I, I, I follow a couple pages on Facebook and I normally see like your plates are out of proportion in terms of how are you divvying up your carbohydrates with your um, vegetables and with your proteins? Um, it needs to be balanced. Remember, that person that is sick with diabetes, sometimes they have diabetic wounds. They're not able to move for themselves, and that's how they become sedentary. And so they're really depending on you to make some of those decisions for them, especially if they're not educated, especially if they're an elderly person or they have cognitive deficits or cognitive delays. You need to say, okay, I'm cooking for a, a diabetic. And again, diabetes comes with other comorbidities. So what am I looking again with the person's um, disease process? They have diabetes, they have hypertension, those two normally, maybe 50% of the time, lead to um, chronic kidney issues. And you don't want to go there because what diabetes does, it creates massive inflammation in all your blood vessels. And to touch a little bit, I, I, I know you asked one question, but <laughs> like um, COVID, so this is how COVID is getting to us. Your, all your blood vessels are inflamed from diabetes inflamed if you take nothing else from this talk tonight is when you have too much sugar in your body you literally set your body on fire into an inflammatory process and then your body tries to cure it especially in the intravascular compartment which means inside of your blood vessels all the little um um, mechanisms to help cure that inflammatory process comes and they start attaching themselves to the wall, trying to fix this blood vessel and that blood vessel. And guess what? You create blockages. And guess what that's going to lead to? High blood pressure. And then because your blood is already thick, guess what that's going to happen? You're, you're going to have high blood pressure, diabetes, your body's pumping that blood too hard. Then mm -hmm. you're going to have right side chronic heart failure. Then your body's not going to be oxygenated properly. So you're going to have respiratory issues. And then the kidney is also going to get upset somewhere inside of there and try to um, regulate high blood pressure. And then all these things can just collapse one day. And so when you have that inflammation in your body and you are exposed to COVID, it, it just sets off all the clotting factors because the body is already sweet. The blood is already sweet. It's already thickened. You become at high risk for clots. And then it just throws you, throws so, you off. And then before you know, you have a clot in the lung and that's how you're dying. You know? <laughs> from, from, from COVID. So, yes. you know, we are flat out of time. I know, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's, it's 9 p.m. But... um. I, I don't know. This is a conversation that I ha we have to come back because we we've only yeah, just exactly. started scratching the top the, the surface on 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 what we can do about it. So 
I, I want to thank you, um, this Abdullah uh, uh, Halima, for, for all of that. Um, Ella, five seconds to, to just tell the audience goodbye. I'm serious. I, I, Maybe we can come back next week or the following week um, to continue this I, I, I just want to leave one thing out there for the diabetics, and um, it's that mm -hmm. of um, reading the labels. It's so important. I am an advocate yes. for I'm an advocate for telling people to use Epsom salt, and mm -hmm. if I did not read that label, I would be telling every diabetic soak yourself. But what happens if you have an open wound? That Epsom salt is doing more damage than good because it's opening up the wound even more. So it's just, I, I implore everybody to read the labels as best as you can. And if you don't understand something, find somebody that can help you understand it. Thank you so much. And both Eloise and Halima, I'm serious. Let us, let us plan to come back either uh, next week, let me see what, what my guess is for next week, or the following week, because uh, I'm going to try to fit it in for next week, because Saturday is World Diabetes Day. Uh, go on the website, worlddiabetesday.org, get all the information that you want. It's said that one out of 10 people in the world suffer from diabetes. Four out of five diabetics are less than 65 years of age. And 50% of type 2 diabetes is completely preventable. So we, we need to continue this conversation. And I will have you ladies back so we can do that. Listeners, I have to run. Stay tuned for uh, Redemption Road, repeat of Redemption Road. And I want to say good night. And see you again next week, Wednesday or on good Friday. Good night. When I'm, when Thank I'm you very much for having us. It's okay. a, it's have a good night. Absolute pleasure. Good night. Yes, it was. Okay, good night. Stay tuned for Redemption Route.